morning, open to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. This morning we want to talk to you about and ask the question, has America lost sight of the living God? Now we asked the question last week, has America become a dirty girdle? Yesterday we celebrated the 239th birthday of the greatest nation on face of the earth. And it's my opinion that America has become a dirty girdle in the sight of God, just like the girdle that Jeremiah pulled out of the river that was no longer profitable for God. I'm afraid that the United States of America is no longer as profitable to God as it has been in the past, as it was just 20 or 30 years ago. Now, does this mean that it is over for the United States of America? Does this mean that all, all hope is gone of the United States of America returning to God? Let me just give you my opinion here this morning. In my opinion, and I've got it up on the screen for you, I may have it in your notes this morning, but it's my opinion at this time, at this time, today, there is still hope for America. However, if Christians do not come out of the closet and into the streets and begin demanding that our elected officials stop passing laws that violate God's written word, if we do not demand that the White House exit this road of socialism that this current administration has got us on, if we do not begin, you know, taking a stand against the socialistic government that has swept our nation, this anti-God, anti-Christian president that has taken us down a, a, a road here that, has, that we've lost our biblical base as a nation that we was founded on many years ago. And if those who call themselves children of God, if those of us who call ourselves believers in Jesus Christ do not begin taking a stand for righteousness, then, folks, all hope is gone. In other words, that, that, that decision, whether or not that hope is gone, is, go is on the shoulders of those who call themselves believers today. Now, today I want to ask this other question. Has America lost sight of the living God? Now, in, uh, in Romans chapter 1, we see what happens when a person when a people or when a nation does lose sight of the living God. In verses 16 and 17 uh, is the, really the key that I want to use this morning to unlock the answers to the question we have for you. Verses 16 and 17 of Romans 1 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. In other words, as a believer, we ought not be ashamed of the word of God. Yet in today's society, it seems like many do not want to take a stand on the Word of God. It seems like we're ashamed of the gospel. We're ashamed to say, thus saith the Lord. We're ashamed to say, well, you know what? The Bible does not agree with that, therefore I do not agree with that. Paul said, you know, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, what is it? It is the Word of God. It is the gospel of Christ. It. The Word of God is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and then unto the Greek. Verse 17, for therein is making reference to the Word of God. Therein is making reference to the gospel of Christ. Therein the Word of God is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. 
as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, I firmly believe that since the 60s, this nation has abandoned the Word of God, and because of that, we no longer have a true understanding of the God of the Word. So you see, when you abandon the Word of God, you lose sight, you lose focus, you lose a relationship with the God of the Word. You see, our view, our view here uh, of Him and His righteousness has been distorted, and for most within our nation, they wouldn't recognize the truth if it hit them right between the eyes. You see, when a nation abandons the Word of God, that nation no longer has an understanding of the God of the Word. And again, I believe that's where we're at as a nation today. We, we've lost sight of the God of the Word because we have done away with the Word of God. So many people I've heard ask over the last few weeks, you know, how in the world can these things be happening in our nation that we see happening today? How can those who call themselves Christians see no problem with same-sex marriage? How can one who calls himself a Christian see nothing wrong with murdering 4,000 babies a day through the ungodly act of abortion? How can one who calls themselves Christians not stand up and fight when seven judges in Oklahoma says the Word of God must be removed, and we're talking about the Ten Commandments, must be removed and must come down? You know why they want the Ten Commandments removed? You know why they want them out of our schools? You want to know why they want them out of our courthouses? You want to know why they want the one down in Oklahoma? It's simply because, you know, uh, the, uh, the Word of God, they feel like if we can remove the Word of God from the people, then we can remove the God of the Word from the nation. And that is their goal. That is exactly what they're after. If we can remove the Word of God, then we remove the God of the Word from the hearts and the lives of the people. It's that simple. And when you remove again, I'm going to say this again, when you remove the God of the Word from the hearts and the minds of the people, you have a nation who no longer hears from God because they've removed themselves from Him. So don't ask the question, how can anymore? I'll tell you how can these things be happening in our nation because we've removed the Word of God, therefore we've removed the God of the Word from the hearts and the lives of the people. Now the first thing that happens when people lose sight of the true and living God is a decline in culture, a decline in culture. Going down to verses 21 through 32 is where we're going to focus this morning. Now, you say, what is culture? Culture is defined as this. It's defined as a set of norms, a set of behaviors, a set of beliefs, a set of customs that exist within the population of a sovereign nation. Now, don't miss that. It's defined as a set of norms, a set of behaviors, beliefs, and customs. Now, let's talk about that. A decline in culture is the thing that will destroy a nation quicker than anything else. And I personally believe that our norms as a nation, our beliefs as a nation, our, 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 our behaviors as a nation, and our customs as a nation are nothing like they was six years ago. I would say they're nothing like they was 10 years ago or even 20 years ago. We have lost all of them. They've all declined. And the main reason that God was continually telling Israel to keep themselves free of the nations that served other gods 
is because of the difference in the culture. Some people say, well, why did God not want these other gods in? Why did God not, you know, want, uh, why did God demand that they destroy these other gods? It's simply for the reason that it would bring in these various cultures. I want to tell you the biggest problem in the United States today, folks, is that we've become a melting pot of culture here in the United States. We got all different kind of cultures. There is no culture in the United States you can pinpoint and you can say, this is the American culture. Right? Because we've allowed all of these other gods in through all these other religions and we've had to be sensitive and accept every one of them. Therefore, America no longer has an American culture. Now you say, well, that sounds kind of, that sounds kind of, you know, uh, we're not what a preacher should be saying. We ought to be tolerant. Listen to me. We've given in to the lie that Christians must accept all religions and all beliefs and just let them do their own thing if we're to be good little Christians. Well, if that's the definition of being a good little Christian, I don't want to be one. Ooh, you don't want to be a good little Christian? Not if it means i got to accept all this ungodliness. No, I do not. Does that mean you don't want to be a good little Christian if i got to be tolerant? No, I do not. I don't want to be a good little Christian if your definition of a good little Christian is to accept the things that are going around me. I don't want to be a good little Christian if that means I can't have norms and behaviors and beliefs and customs that match the Word of God. No, I don't want to be a good little Christian. Look, I believe in the First Amendment. I believe in, in the freedom of a religion. But when strange gods and strange religions begin to sink their tentacles into our culture and we allow it to change our godly culture into a culture that is anti-God, anti-Christ, then folks, a line must be drawn in the sand. Listen, when Moses went up to the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments from God, you remember he came down and the people had built a golden calf, a strange God. What did Moses do? Moses drew a line in the sand. He drew a line. We're not going to be tolerant, he said, of these strange gods. So he drew this line in the sand. Joshua also drew a line in the sand of the people. And he said, choose you this day who you're going to serve. America, that's where we're at now. We have got to draw a line in the sand and say, choose this day who we're going to serve. I mean, we got, we've got to stop buying into this lie of tolerance, that if you're a good Christian, you're going to be tolerant of these other religions and these other cultures and these other strange gods. That's not the case. We've lost our identity as Americans. I mean, if people, and this is going to sound mean and cruel and all that, that's what I am, okay? I can't help it. But if people want to keep their same culture, stay in their own nation. Because we're America. We have our own customs. We have our own norms. We have our own behaviors. We have our own beliefs. We have our own customs. If you want to come here, then accept our norms. Accept our culture. Accept our beliefs. Or stay where you are. I know, that's not a good little Christian. That's not the attitude of a good little Christian. I done told you I'm not a good little Christian, if that's your belief. Look, we have seen a decline in our culture, and as a result, our nation is being destroyed while many who call themselves Christians are buying into this lie of tolerance. 
Now, I believe there's three steps to a decline in culture. Let me show them to you real quickly. First of all, the first step in a decline to culture is to know God, but push away that knowledge. In other words, you know God, you, you've met God, you, you, you've given your life to God, but you push that knowledge away. Let me show you this. Some people don't really understand this passage of Scripture, but I want to break it down for you, and, and I hope you see what he's talking about, Paul's talking about here. Look at verse 21. Because that when they knew God, I, I want you to circle, if you've got a real Bible, I know most got tablets and iPads, but that's okay. You can highlight on your iPad, okay? But I want you to highlight, or I want you to circle the word no, because that's the key to this passage of Scripture, okay? You've you got to know this word, and I'm going to explain it to you in a moment. Because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. Now, all this is talking about those who knew God. But became vain in their imagination, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Now, who is this describing? Okay? Verse 22. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man, and to birds, and to four-footed beasts, and to creeping things. Now, I want to suggest to you this morning, when Paul is writing this in verse 21, that he's not speaking here to the drunk lying in the gutter this morning in his own vomit. He's not speaking here, you know, to, to, the, uh, to the, the drug addict that's in an abandoned apartment somewhere with a needle hanging out of their arm. He's not speaking here to the prostitute who is selling his or her body, you know, for drugs. He's not speaking here to the homosexual who's out dancing in the street, you know, this morning because now they can commit sodomy legally. Or he's not even speaking to the evil person who rapes and who kills and who terrorizes a community. I want to suggest to you this morning that he's speaking here to those who have made the decision to follow Christ, those who call themselves believers. Look at the Greek word. The Greek word that is used here for the word to know means to know especially through personal experience. In other words, they've experienced God. They've experienced Christ. So that kind of puts a, a, a different light on this passage of the Scripture. He's speaking here about people who have had a personal experience with Jesus Christ in a saving way Yet somewhere down the line, they abandoned the Word of God. Now, if I had to guess this morning, now this is personal opinion, of course, okay? I want you to know that right off the bat. It's personal. I always let you know when my opinion is personal. But if I had to guess this morning, I'm talking here about people who have abandoned the Word of God, who, who are believers, who were actually saved at one time, but who have abandoned the Word of God, I would be willing to say that 85 to 90 percent, and these are my own words, I haven't done no research or nothing. This is my opinion. I would be willing to say that 85 to 90 percent of the people in every church here this morning, not just this church, churches all throughout America, I would be willing to say that 85 to 90 percent of those within our churches this morning who call themselves believers, who have had a personal experience with Jesus Christ, never opened their Bible throughout the week. 
You say, well, that's not abandoning the Word of God. <laughs> well, if you're not at home every day in the, during the week, you don't never come home, wouldn't that be abandoning your family? Look, if you're not in the Word of God on a daily basis, you have abandoned the Word of God. That's pretty tough. But that's just the way it is. And I would be willing to say 85 to 90% of the people in our churches never break open the pages of this word on a daily basis. So let's get back to our, our deal here. Jesus, he's talking here about those who have abandoned the word of God, who truly know God. They cease giving him glory. They begin looking at the worldview through the eyes of the foolish rather than through the wise. And the next thing you know, they see nothing wrong with what's going on around them. That's why so many people who call themselves Christians don't see a problem with abortion. That's why so many people who call themselves believers don't see a problem with same-sex marriage. That's why people who call themselves believers, you know, could care less what's happening in our world today because they've abandoned the Word of God and because they don't know the Word of God because the Word of God is no longer burning in their hearts. They see nothing wrong. It's that plain and it's that simple. They've abandoned the Word of God. Look, they find themselves then worshiping the creation rather than the Creator. All this is in verses 21 and 22 here. That's why you saw so many who called themselves believers saw nothing wrong with what the Supreme Court ruling was a couple of Fridays ago. If you're on Facebook, you've seen a lot of Christians, I use that word liberally, say, well, they got a right to love who they want. In fact, our White House posted love wins. What is love? Who is love? God is love. In other words, the Word of God says God is love. I want to tell you, love did not win. But love will win in the end. Look, I want to make, I, I want to make a bold statement here this morning. You say, well, you've done made a couple. I'm going to make another one. I want to make a bold statement here this morning. But that's okay, because if you get upset, maybe you'll take a good look at yourself, okay? This is based on pa this passage in verse 21. Here's my bold statement. If you claim to believe a, a, be a believer in Jesus Christ, and you see nothing wrong with the change in our culture, if you see nothing wrong with same-sex marriage, if you see nothing wrong with killing babies, if you see nothing wrong with Christians losing our religious freedom and the many other things that's going on in our nation today that violate the written word of God, then you are one whom Paul is speaking of here who does not glorify Jehovah as God, who is not thankful for all that he's done for you, one who has become vain in your imaginations and one whose heart has become darkened you may think you're wise by going along with the crowd, by being tolerant, but God says you're a fool. You see, every culture that has ever pushed away, every culture that has ever suppressed the knowledge of God, the next step in that culture has been idolatry. Study history. And once idolatry has taken the, the culture there's other steps that the people go through. I'm going to go through these real quickly. First of all, idolatry, it leads to the worship of man. 
Second of all, idolatry leads to the worship of the image of a man. Third of all, idolatry leads to the worship of animals. You see, there are those who see nothing wrong with killing 4,000 babies a day here in the borders of the United States of America. Let you, yet you let one turtle egg get crushed by someone walking on the beach. Or you let some little old lizard get run over by a car and they bawl their eyes out and want to sue somebody. You see, as the knowledge of God is pushed away and as idolatry begins to take over uh, the, the, the people, they find themselves falling for all of these false gods and no longer do they have a true concept of the living God. And once we lose our concept of the true living God, folks, and we begin worshiping idols, it will take us places we've never imagined we can be. That's why we're in the shape we're in as a nation today, because we've fallen into this very thing that we're talking about here. When you study ancient history, you'll find that, that the pagan heathens that, that had suppressed the knowledge of God and who had turned to worship of the idols, the next step that they took was to practice sexual immorality along with all their false gods of worship. Now, what happens next in the decline of culture, the second thing is this. God will turn the people over to their sin. God says, you want it? You got it? It's yours. Now, folks, that's scary. That is scary. Look at verse 26 and 27. For this cause, for what cause? The cause he's just described. When people push away the knowledge of God, and again, this is the church people. This is people who call themselves Christians. He's not talking about the, 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 the lost guys. But when the Christian people begin to suppress the word of God, then it leads to this worship of idols. And here's what God says. And for this cause, because they suppress the knowledge of God, because they walked away from the, the God of the word, for this cause, God gave them up into their vile affections, for even their women did change. What's that next word? The what? Let me hear you. Natural. I want you to circle that. For even the women did change their natural. What's natural mean? It means the normal thing, okay? For even the women changed their natural use into that which is against nature. In other words, it's not the way God created it. And likewise, also the men leaving what? The natural use of the woman. In other words, it's natural for a man to desire a woman. That's the way God created it. They burn and lust toward one another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of the era which was met. Now, one thing is for certain. When people or a nation cease to worship the true living God and they turn and begin worshiping idols, it isn't long until God, after trying to draw them back, God will try to draw them back before he takes this step. But he winds up turning them over to the things that they desire. And folks, it doesn't stop there. He'll give the people, the leaders, they desire to lead them in that direction. You see, homosexuality 
rather women with women or man with man is not natural. Now, that's not my opinion. What's what the Word of God just says? It's not natural. You say, well, you know, God created me this way. If God created you a homosexual, then God made a mistake because God went against nature. God went against what's natural. So what you're actually saying is God messed up. God made a mistake. No, God created nature. God created what's going to be natural in that nature. Therefore, if you say you was born that way, you're saying God messed up. Listen, homosexuality is no different than adultery. It's no different than premarital sex. It's no different than being an alcoholic or a drug addict. It's all a choice that a person makes. It's that plain, and it's that simple. Don't try to blame it on something, someone else. Don't say, well, I'm an alcoholic because my grandpa was an alcoholic. No, you're an alcoholic because you choose to pick up the bottle. Don't say I'm a drug addict because my mama was a drug addict. No, you're a drug addict because you choose to pick up, you know, a, a needle or you choose to smoke some crack or whatever. Don't say I, I, I commit adultery because that's the way my daddy used to do. No, you're choosing to do it in the same way with homosexuality. Don't say God created me this way. No, you're choosing to be in that lifestyle. And we have to understand that. <coughs> So homosexuality, rather women with women or men with men, is not natural. One big debate going on today in this world, and it's been going on for 10 years, is the comparison of homosexual rights with the civil rights movement back in the 60s and the 70s. You see, by anyone who has a rational mind, they can see that it's natural for a black person to be born black because he had a black mama and a black daddy. Okay? Or a black daddy, you know, one of the two was black anyway nowadays. But listen, the truth is, it's not natural for a person to be a homosexual. That is a choice they make. Let me just throw this up real quick. How can one say they were born that way when the Bible says it's not natural? Listen, we can be assured of one thing. A nation is on the road to destruction when that which is unnatural, now don't miss this, when that which is unnatural becomes the norm and becomes an acceptable lifestyle. A nation is on the road to destruction. When the people take what is unnatural, and God's done spelt out here what's unnatural, and they make it the natural, which is what we have done, and it's become a uh, an acceptable lifestyle. Now, this is not a hate statement toward homosexuality, uh, homosexual personally. Please understand that. I think I explained that pretty good last week. Jesus loved them enough to die for them on the cross. So who am I to love them any less? But this is a factual statement about the sin of homosexuality. As Christians, listen, we must not be afraid to take a stand against the sin itself and not back down for what the Scripture says is an abomination to God. We can't be tolerant on that issue. We can't be tolerant on any issue that's in the Word of God. Just for the sake of getting along. Just for the sake of somebody to look at you and say, you're a good little old Christian. Again, they can't say that about me. And that's okay. 
Again, if that's the definition of a good little Christian, I don't want to be one, okay? I've said that enough, I think. Ever since the 60s, this nation has taken a moral decline, and that decline has had its roots in sex. The 60s, if you'll remember, was known as the sexual revolution, and our nation hadn't been the same since. Anything and everything sexual was deemed okay as long as those who was involving themselves felt it was justified. I remember saying in the 60s, and most of you in here this morning can remember it too, if it feels good, do it. Now, I'm not going to ask how many had a bumper sticker that said that because they made bumper stickers. They even made a song that said, if it feels good, do it. Now, because everything felt good, everything has been accepted, and nothing is surprising that you see or hear. Isn't it amazing how magazines are full of sex? They can't sell nothing without magazines or television being sexually explicit in some way or another. Television's full of homosexuality. Television commercials are full of sex and homosexuality. Even our cartoons today are filled that a Christian man or a woman can't watch them. Why the change? Because instead of the church taking a stand in the 60s when all of this filth began, we became tolerant, thinking that it was just a fad that would go away. And we didn't think it would ever cause any problems, so we stuck our head in the sand. When we pulled our head out of the sand, everything was done out of control. There was nothing we could do about it. You see, because our nation has been turned over to vile affection, the United States of America is no better than Sodom and Gomorrah in the sight of God. In fact, Billy Graham once made this statement, and I know you've heard this statement before made by him, if God doesn't bring judgment upon the United States for our moral depravity, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. The third and final thing that happens when people begin losing sight of the living God, we see in verse 28, God would turn them over and give them a mind void of judgment. Folks, this is scary. Even as he did not like to, even as they didn't, who are they? He's talking about these that he's done explained. These who knew God, these who suppressed the word of God, these who walked away from God. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to just do those things that was convenient. You like it? You want it? You can have it. And it says he gave them over to a mind void of judgment. In other words, now they're going to be able to do it, and there's not going to even be any conviction of the Holy Spirit against it. Now they're going to be involved with it, and their mind won't even say to them, God's going to judge you for this. Folks, that's a dangerous place to be, to be able to commit sin as a child of God and the Holy Spirit's done pulled away from you and just turned you over to it for the destruction of the body in order that the soul will be saved. We are where we are as a nation because many within our nation who have known God have already reached this final step in the decline of a culture. They already have a reprobate mind. Really quickly, what is a reprobate mind? It's a mind that can no longer think rationally. It's a mind that can no longer comprehend the judgment of God. And it's a mind that can no longer 
or that no longer believes in the existence of the living God. You see, this is the reason we have politicians who pass laws that violate the Word of God. And as Christians, sometimes we sit back and we say, how can that be? How can that person be in their right mind and come up with such law and policy? How can the President of the United States stand in front of the world, and I'm going to give you a quote he made a few years ago. Here's his quote. How can a President of the United States make, up this, uh, make this statement before all the world? I favor legalizing same-sex marriage and will fight efforts to prohibit such. You say, how can a person in their right mind believe such a thing? How can they say such a thing? You want me to tell you how they can do it? Because they're not in their right mind. Barack Hussein Obama can stand up and say those things because he's not in his right mind. He has a mind that is void of judgment. He thinks he can't be touched by God and that he'll not be judged by God. They don't think rationally when you have a mind void of judgment. And that is another reason we as Christians, now listen to me, we have to be careful who we put in office to make our laws. Folks, this next election that is coming up in 2016, I believe, again, personal opinion here, I believe it's going to make or break our nation. And as I told you earlier in this, in, in this service this morning, don't vote based on elephants or don't. Listen to me, you do your research on the people. You, 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 you look at their past voting record. My criteria is, are they a Christian? Because, folks, if we don't get a Christian back in the White House, a man who's going to stand on biblical principles and not tolerate anything that violates this, then we're due. We're due. My suggestion is to you is, if a person is against anything this Bible stands for, I don't care if it's same-sex marriage, uh, you know, uh, uh, abortion, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, common law marriage, whatever, all these things the Bible is against, then don't vote for them. Well, I've always voted Republican. Shame on you. I've always voted Democrat. Shame, shame on you. Listen to me. If what they stand for is against the Bible, don't vote for them. It's time we get somebody back in the White House who believes this is the Word of God and will stand on it at all costs. Look, if you will, then, I may have put this in your notes. If we willfully vote for a person whose worldview is against the Bible, we are just as guilty as they are when these laws are passed. If you willfully vote for somebody who believes in abortion and you know they do when you vote for them, you're just as guilty. The blood of 4,000 babies a day is on your hands, just like it is there. If you vote for someone who willfully stands up in front of you and says, I believe in same-sex marriage, and you pull the lever for that person, God's going to hold you accountable for that. <clears throat> if it's an immoral person, 
their mind is probably void of judgment, and they see nothing wrong with passing these laws that takes prayer out of school, banning manger scenes at, at Christmas time, taking the Ten Commandments out of our schools and our courthouses, laws that make it legal to kill babies through abortions, laws that make it okay to jail anyone who preaches against such, such sins as homosexuality or sermons that state there is no God but Jehovah. Let me close with this here. A mind void of judgment is a dangerous mind. And let me list you four things here, the four characteristics of a mind void of judgment. We're going to go through them quickly. First of all, a mind full, uh, uh, that is void of judgment, they're filled with every kind of sin. Now, I've got the scriptures here. You can go to them and see this. Not personal opinion. They're filled with every kind of sin and evil, selfishness and hatred. They're full of jealousy, murder, fighting, lying, and, and thinking the worst of each other. They gossip, they say evil things about each other, they hate God, they're rude, they're conceit, uh, and brag about themselves, they invent ways of doing evil, they don't obey their parents, they're foolish, uh, they do not keep their promises, they do not show kindness or mercy to anyone, they know God, what God's law says, and those who live uh, uh, like it should die, but they themselves not only continue to do these evil things, they applaud others that do them. Sounds like people to me on both sides of the aisle, folks, in Washington, D.C. that represent us. Has America lost sight of the living God? I'm going to let you answer that question. I know what I feel. So the question is, what are you going to do about it? If we have lost sight of the living God, what are you personally going to do about getting God back within our nation? What are you going to do about getting God back within our politics? What are you going to do about getting God back even within our churches? Because I believe there's quite a few churches that God is no longer in. What are you going to do? If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, there's nothing you can do just yet. Because you've got to get on his team. You've got to get in his army to begin this fight. So we want to ask you to come this morning as we sing a song of invitation and get you to the cross, get you to Calvary. But if you're a child of God, and some of the things we explained this morning, you know, you said, I hate to say it, that's me. Maybe you need to be down at this altar this morning crying out to God for forgiveness and ask God to restore to you the joy of that salvation and you begin trying what you can to get America back the living God. 239 years yesterday. And I tell you what, I believe our founding fathers would shudder in their graves if they could see where we're at as a nation now. God help us. God help the United States. God help his church.